Good morning. How are we doing? Thank you. I've got a haircut. Um, and I've got shoes on. I've got something really important here. Uh, who was here last week? Um, I did share a joke last week that somebody did come to me and say, Ben, you really um, put males in a bad light. Um, if you weren't here, you can go listen to the podcast. I'm not going to repeat that joke again. But I did have one just to square up a little bit. If you're a woman here and you get easily offended, just block your ears. It's very short. So my, my credit card was stolen, but I didn't report it. The thief was spending less money than my wife did. So Is that a bit rude for Sunday morning? All right. We did have an amazing time away, and um, we're just really believing that 2023 is going to be a year full of harvest, full of moving forward, full of the Lord doing amazing things. And because of that, we feel that this is a time and where to prepare. And how many know that God does a sovereign thing, but we're the ones that we have to do something, where to be, be prepared. And so um, re- we really feel like we're stepping into that season of preparing as much as we can for the very thing that God is going to do. So get your running shoes on, get ready because God's going to do amazing things in 2023. This morning I want to share a bit about a Christmas theme and also link that to generosity. How many know that God is the most generous person? Last week I shared a little bit about when we celebrate Christmas, we see the faithfulness of God. We see the fact that throughout all scripture, there was a promise of the Messiah coming. And at Christmas, we celebrate the fulfillment of that promise. There's also something else that when we celebrate Christmas, we see, and that is we see this intense generosity of God. Intense, extreme generosity. How many know that God actually gave his absolute best in sending Jesus? There was nothing substandard about his mission plan to earth. There was no trial run and a substandard strategy to save humanity from their sins. God sent his very best. Our Father God sent the very best of himself, which was his son, to to come to this earth in human form and to save us from our sin and to bring us back in a relationship with the Father. Isn't that incredible? He gave the very best. I just want you to consider for a second. Some of you may have to close your eyes for this so you're not distracted, but think about your past. Think about how generous God has been to you in your past. Think about that exam that you really didn't study for, but it was by the grace of God that you passed. 
think about that job you should have never got, but by the grace of God, you got that job and you're able to keep that job. Just go back in the history in your life and think about that woman that you were never meant to marry. Not because you weren't meant to be together, but she was too good for you, maybe. But think about all the, the provisions of God, the, the generosity, the favor and the grace of God on your life. Think about all those moments when you were in need and God came through. He provided when there was no other way. Just go back in the history in your mind and your family and think of the way that God has been so generous in your life. And how many would agree with me this morning that right now in our present state, he's very generous. We're amongst people that have experienced the generosity of a perfect father. What that means is that he's going to continue being generous in the future. We serve a God who is incredibly generous. Through, throughout all of human history... The Father God has been displaying His generosity right from the very beginning, right from Adam and Eve, right to now and right into the future. He's never stopped being generous. He's been displaying His generosity throughout hundreds, throughout thousands of years, throughout generations, throughout race, throughout nations. His generosity has been on display. But 2,000 years ago, it came to a pinnacle. And that is where we're celebrating Christmas. And that pinnacle was, of his generosity was this. It was a high watermark. It was the absolute best when he sent Jesus to this earth to come and save us from our sin and to reconcile us back to the Father. That was the pinnacle of his generosity. There will never be another high water mark to compare with the generosity of the Father. And as you celebrate Christmas this year, I want you to remember the generosity of a perfect Father. If you've got your Bible, if you can please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to read... Verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, how many know that God is pretty rich? His riches actually blow our mind, our comprehension. Although he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. 2,000 years ago, as we celebrate Christmas, he literally bankrupt heaven for you. Paul puts language to this and says, although he was rich, he became poor so that we might become rich. He took on human flesh as we celebrate it at Christmas, as, as baby Jesus being born in the manger, he took on human flesh so that we could come in relationship with the Father, so that we could partake of the riches that God has for us. 
The Bible says that if he sent his own son, how much more will he give everything? If he, if he, that, that is the thing. If he sent his own son, how much more? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He demonstrated such a love that was demonstrated with such an act of extreme generosity that he gave his son. Who here has put their Christmas tree up? Should I say who hasn't? That's probably a better. We, We need some prayer. Last night we put our Christmas tree up and that was amazing and as we were doing the decorations, putting the lights on, putting the star on, it was an amazing time with the family and we started having this discussion about what would be the best present to receive at Christmas and there was some crazy ideas, some crazy thoughts and we're having this discussion for a while and one of my kids came to me and said, I know the greatest gift is you, Daddy. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. And it was like one of those tender moments where, as a parent, you just feel like the love of your kids. And then my child went on to say, it's you, Daddy, because you've got all the money and you can give me more presents. How many know a Christmas tree is no good unless there's presents under it? It's amazing, but it's no good if there's no presents. But the origin of Christmas is actually in generosity. That's why we actually give gifts. The origin is that there's a father who gave the the most radical, the most audacious, the the, the most extreme gift of generosity... And we see there that there was wise men that came and they gave these gifts to baby King Jesus, gold, frankincense and myrrh. And for 2,000 years we've been continuing this tradition of giving gifts. And at the essence and at the foundation of Christmas is generosity. It's actually a heart, a spirit of generosity that that, that we so value not only what God has done, but the people around us, that we would be generous and give and celebrate each other in this time. Generosity is at the core of Christmas. It's interesting that when we read the Gospels, the, the words of Jesus, the, the things that Jesus spoke, scholars tell us that, are you ready for this? Scholars tell us that Jesus actually spoke more about money than about faith. Scholars go on to say that Jesus actually spoke more about money than about prayer and actually not and actually prayer 
and faith combined. This is incredible that Jesus came and what he was talking about was there's no doubt that prayer, faith, love, giving, all, all these other things that Jesus came, healing the sick, all this stuff is important. But Jesus actually spent a lot of time unpacking what it meant to be good stewards of finances. And he always dealt with the issue of the heart. He always dealt with the issue of the heart. And right through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we can see that Jesus is constantly coming back to this issue of money. And yet sometimes we don't talk about it a lot. But Jesus actually spent a lot of time unpacking it, talking about it, teaching on it, and explaining to his disciples and many that were following him about the issue at the heart of money. It's interesting if we have a think about why did Jesus talk about finances and money so much? About generosity. Do we think that maybe Jesus was born into a time in, in, in the history of, of the world where it was just a really selfish bunch of people and that he needed to bring correction because there was just like this weird hundred or so years where humanity just became selfish and he was like, hey, God's told me I need to bring this message. I would propose that that's probably not the case. I would propose that selfishness is something we don't have to learn. I would propose that selfishness and the very opposite to generosity, definitely with our finances, is something we don't have to learn. It's something that naturally happens, is for us to want to take, for us to want to store up as much finances, as much resources, as much money as we can. So I strongly believe that if Jesus was here in 20, at the end of 2022, his message would be similar. He would be preaching about healing the sick and the kingdom of God is at hand. He would be, 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 be teaching us about how to love God, how to love others. He would be teaching us all these amazing things that he, that he preached and shared. But I believe an important part of his message would be the issue around finances and money. And our heart attitude towards that. Is anyone alive? <laughs> As a church, we're actually going to talk a bit more about money. It's not going to be a sermon every week. But there is going to be a few minutes each week where we get up and number one, we celebrate what God is doing through the resources that he's given us. We're going to get up once a week and for a few minutes we're going to talk about finances, we're going to talk about money and, and the primary purpose is to celebrate what God is doing through the generosity here. And number two, it's to encourage each other to be generous. If you're like me, I need reminding and I need encouragement. This is not something that I just wake up in the morning and think, hey, I need to give. I need to financially give to people. Oftentimes, it's a moment in time when I'm reading the Bible and I see these words of Jesus and sometimes they hurt, they convict, they, they cut deep. And I'm reminded again about the responsibility, or should I say privilege, it is 
to financially give to the local church to see the kingdom of God expand. I want to talk for a few minutes about tithes and offerings. I think it can be a great area in church, but I, I, I want to try and put a little bit of um, clarity to this term in the new covenant of what we see Jesus ca- calling us to do in the way of tithes and offering. How many know that a tithe actually means a tenth? It was actually an Old Testament concept, but it was actually before the law of Moses. A tithe was actually instituted well before the law of Moses was ever handed out. It was about four to five hundred years before. But what the law did was the law came along and said, if you don't tithe, there's punishment. If you don't tithe, you're cursed. If you don't tithe, God is angry with you. And that's what we read. And there was a lot of requirements in the Old Testament of the law. And one of these was to do with tithing. And that's why we see when Jesus arrived on the scene, that the Pharisees and that were so diligent with their tithing. They used to take a tenth of their herbs and everything and cut it right to the exact tenth and give one tenth to God and keep the rest. How many know that Jesus didn't actually tell them that tithing was wrong? He said, I see your tithing. It is good. You should tithe. That's probably the one thing that he commended them for or he didn't rebuke them for. But here we see that tithe is a tenth and it's actually instituted before the old covenant about four or five hundred years before in Genesis chapter 14. But the law actually made it a curse if you didn't tithe. It was actually meant that when the law was instituted, you were actually punished. God wasn't happy with you unless you tithe, unless you gave a tenth to God. How many know that we're not living under the old covenant anymore? Someone's happy. (laughs) We're actually in the new covenant, which means that we've actually been set free from the curse. So I'd like to proclaim this morning, please hear me very clear, That if you do not tithe, you are not cursed. If you do not tithe, you are not punished. If you do not tithe or give offerings, God is not angry with you. Is that clear? We're set free. Let let me read a scripture. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. If you want to turn there. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. This is what it says. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law... By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is anyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. We are no longer under a curse. We are no longer under punishment. There's lots of things that the law required us to do, but because of Jesus, we're set free. God is not angry with you if you do not tithe and you do not give offerings. You are no longer cursed if you don't give offerings 
but you might be crazy. Let me explain. Just because we no longer are cursed or punished or God is not happy with us if we don't uh, tie, that doesn't mean that it's not a good principle in the, new, in, in the new covenant. Just imagine if a farmer came to you this morning and gave you a big bag of corn seed. And you had this big sack of corn seed in front of you. How many know that there's probably two things you could do with that? There's probably a lot more, but there's, there's two things you could do with that. Number one is you could take the seed, you could, you, could, you could sow it, you could plant it, and you would reap a harvest. Right there, the ability of that sack of corn seed actually has the ability to reap a harvest for you, your family, your children, your grandchildren taking this sack of corn seed. Or option number two is you could eat your seed. You could provide for your family. You could provide for yourself. You could consume the seed and it would nourish your body. And you could probably live on a big sack of corn seed. Well, I don't know, for us, maybe a day. (laughs) But you could live for some time off this big sack of corn seed. How many know this is like the issue with being generous and and, and this issue with tithing and offerings? The Lord has given us so much. And our tendency is to say, all right, we're going to consume what the Lord has given us. And and we're trying to get as much as we can. We live in a culture that says, I want to consume. I want to try and gravitate as much financial gain as I can to myself for my future. Or we can understand a principle of the kingdom and we can start sowing some of that seed for the future. The reality is that everything is the Lord's anyway. But I think it's important that we're reminded about our privilege to give to God, to give to the local church, to be generous, to represent and reflect our generous Father. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. I encourage you to read these um, couple of chapters here, chapter 8 and chapter 9, because Paul is talking the whole time about in the context of giving. And here in, in, in verse 6, this is what it says. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work." This is not my opinion. This is actually what the Word of God says. Those of us who sow sparingly, 
we reap sparingly. And those of us who take this seed, this finances that the Lord has so blessed us with, those of us who sow generously, this is what we're going to reap. And maybe you're here and you're like, hey, I've tried that and it didn't work out. I would say it's a principle of God. I would say just keep sowing because there will be a harvest. And Paul here is, is encouraging us. And here the context is to do with finances. He is saying, hey, we're not compound, we're not we're not compelled to give under the under the old covenant um, rules and regulations. But because of the privilege we have to serve God and because of the generous, we've experienced the generous nature of our Father, we have the privilege to be able to financially give, tithe and give and see the kingdom of God advanced. Maybe you're like, hey, that just sounds crazy. What you're telling me is that if I give away, that's how I get more. All I'm saying is read the scripture. Read the truth of the scripture of God. This is just a foundational principle. And how many know that the kingdom is upside down? It says if you want to be promoted, you go low. It says if you want to be first, you go last. It's upside down. His kingdom is different than, than, than our culture than our context. And so this Christmas period, as you sit around and you enjoy the gifts and you celebrate generosity as a family with friends, I want to encourage you to remember that there's a God who held nothing back for us. He gave everything. He so demonstrated his generosity by 2,000 years ago by sending Jesus to be born as we celebrate this Christmas. And in light of all that, not out of compulsion, not out of, out of law, but out of a privilege it is that we as followers of Jesus, we give and we see the kingdom of God advance. If you're here this morning and you're like, well, I just want to make sure that I'm giving to something that's going to have eternal value. I get that. And... We believe, of course, that our church is pursuing God and, and pursuing transformation of our community through the love and power of Jesus. But what I would say to you is, don't be someone that's not generous. If you're in this place and you're not sure, find a church that you can give into. Find a church that you can say, hey, this is, this is, this is where God's calling me and give and be generous in, in, in that place. How are we doing? I just want to pray as we finish up. Just as we close our eyes and just reflect on the the goodness and the generosity of God. If there's anyone here this morning and you've actually never received the greatest gift of all, which is the gift of eternal life, 
the gift of having your sins forgiven, the gift of coming back to God. I just want to give an opportunity right now, if that's you and you want me to include you in a prayer in a moment, if that's you and you're here this morning, you say, hey Ben, I've never experienced a relationship with God. I've never experienced an intimate relationship where I know my sins are forgiven, where I know I can stand right before God. If that's you, would you just raise your hand up and I want to include you in a prayer this morning. If there's anyone here and you, maybe you've been in church for a while and you're like, today I want to re-give my life to Him. I want to receive this, this, this extreme gift that He offers. Is there anyone here this morning just wants to raise their hand and put it back down? Just to say, hey, include me in a prayer of salvation. Include me in a prayer of coming back to God. Anyone just before we pray? Anyone quickly? There's one, thank you. You can put your hand back down. Anyone else this morning that just wants to say, hey, I want to give my life to Christ. There's one person that's been bold enough to say, hey, today is the day when I say yes to Jesus. Anyone else just quickly, I'm just going to ask one more time. Thank you, I see that hand. A lady there wants to say yes to Jesus. Anyone else? This is such a significant decision. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of coming back to Jesus. Anyone else quickly? Two people here have said they want to give their life to Christ. Anyone else quickly? Just so I can see your hand and then we'll pray. Anyone else? All right. Church family, we're going to, if we can all pray this prayer after me and for the two people that put their hand up, this is such a significant moment um, where you're saying yes to Jesus, you're inviting him into your life. So Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for paying the price. And today I choose you. And from this moment on, I, I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we celebrate those two decisions? I encourage you, if you made that decision, to go tell somebody. Go tell someone you made this decision for Christ. It's amazing. And I just want to pray again for us here in light of Christmas and, and, and how we've seen how, how generous our Father is. And Lord, I thank you for everybody here. I just pray that in this Christmas season, that Lord, we would not only experience your generosity, but we would be generous to others. Lord, I pray that we would understand this principle of giving and tithing and generosity, that we wouldn't be foolish, that we wouldn't be these people that actually are deceived to believe that if, if we be selfish and if we hoard all our finances to ourselves, that, that, that somehow that's following you. But Lord, we pray that as we, we see how you model life for us, that we would in turn be generous to people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Carol.